This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Wait, should I start recording on my end before I screw everything up? Oh, what do you what do you record uh, record record through? Uh, oh, have, I'm getting all of this. I'm getting all of this. Sam, it's <laughs> like an absolute fool. What's that? What's What's that now? Now we're recording through. I'm sorry, this is my 70 year old dad. How you doing today? I hope you're doing well. Blessed day. Yeah, dad. Uh, everybody's having a blessed day. Oh, that's good. I'm happy. That makes okay. me very happy. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Daddy. This week, a little self care, two stars of the murder mystery, The After Party, and a plea for laziness. All right, let's start the show. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. I gotta say, all the news this week, it has been a lot. A Supreme Court justice retired. Russia is knocking on Ukraine's door in a pretty menacing way. The stock market has been all over the place, but mostly down. It's been a week. Sometimes in weeks like these, I think it's helpful to take some time and talk about things that aren't the news at all. And to have conversations that kind of just meander. Like this chat I taped a bit earlier this week. I'm, I'm eating during this because I know there's no way this is going to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? When you say you're rolling is when I'll stop eating. I'm rolling. <laughs> you're rolling? <laughs> yes, I well, am. Let him eat. Let him eat. At Sam Richardson and Ben oh, Schwartz. And that little interlude about a last minute meal. It very quickly turned into a pitch. Oh, by the way, uh, Sam and I want to um, promote our podcast, Every Single Crunch. So Captain Crunch has a backstory, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't just start as a captain. That's exactly correct. Uh-huh. And there's different people in the Crunch family. He's, of course, mm-hmm. the captain. So Sam likes to say it's a drama as well as a comedy. Well, it's because it's important that you have both sides of it. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a, it's a comedy, but it's a, it's a comedy that will make you cry. That silliness, that ability to just meander into fun... That spirit of improv, it is a big part of Sam and Ben's new show on Apple TV+. The After Party. It is a whodunit murder mystery, and it takes place right after a 15-year high school reunion. One of those classmates being a celebrity, his name is Xavier, he comes, makes a big deal, uh, has an after party at his home, and he's killed there, and everybody is a suspect who shows up. And one of the detectives on the case... None other than Tiffany Haddish. Look, so did anyone here actually witness Xavier's murder? No, ma'am, officer. The murderer did. Everyone else doesn't know what happened because we're all stars of our own movie. And she means almost literally stars of their own movie. Sam Richardson and Ben Schwartz, they play two of those former classmates in the after party. And they are now two suspects. And over the course of the season, each suspect gets their own episode, told from their own perspective, each in the spirit of a specific film genre. I began by asking Sam Richardson about his episode. Sam, your character is telling Detective Tiffany Haddish uh, his telling of the events, but it is told through the, I don't know, through the lens of like, Rom-com? A rom-com, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, what was it like to make that episode, to make literally a rom-com about a murder? 
Uh, it was uh, really fun because uh, it's also the first episode of the series, so it sets the ground for sort of the expectations of like how the genres are going to play, and you know, it's not as bold or as crazy a genre as like an action or like you know as a musical. So it's, it kind of lends itself to the sweet romance of it and like sort of the expectations and sort of the things that also match the character. So it was like really fun to kind of get to play. The, with, with with those like classic like sort of like Tom Hanks you know Hugh Grantian sort of charming uh, what was me aw shucks kind of guy a week ago she sent me an email asking me to come and it had a smiley face emoji what does that mean ah oh, Anate what's going on man it's been like two years and then like to have Ben. Uh, as my like <laughs> rom-com sidekick or you know best yeah. friend it was great and then to play across from Zoe who's like so brilliantly talented and like a wonderful person it's just like so much fun isn't it so crazy to be here like, again after all these years you know what it's not for me because I'm here every day oh wow you're vice principal yep oh I'm so sorry I didn't even see that I didn't look at your name tag because you know I was just looking at you from the chin up because I'm so respectful such a gentleman. Oh, well, you know. To get to do that and like have it be first off and like kind of set, set the pace of like what I think Anique's self uh, point of view is was like an interesting yeah. sort of exercise. So Ben, before your episode in the spirit of a musical, were, were you are you a musical guy? I am Sam Sanders. I love musicals. My mom has been a Bronx music teacher for 54 years. So music and musicals are a huge part of our lives. But I was always, when I was in high school, I was too nervous. I don't know if Sam, you were like this. Sam was probably pretty cool. I know he's pretty cool in high school, but it's like, I was afraid to audition for the musical because I was afraid I wouldn't get it and I would have failed and I would have been embarrassed and felt really bad. So it took to like college and auditioning for the improv team for me to finally be okay to fail. But in high school, I didn't audition for anything acting wise because I was too afraid it wouldn't work. And look at you now. I mean, how about it? Talking about your musical on national public radio. (laughs) I get my own musical. Come on, on NPR. What are we doing here? We all get that one shot twice. We all get one shot twice. This show, each character kind of tells their version of events to these detectives through the lens of a different type of film. And it got me to wondering if both of you could live the rest of your life in any one genre of film in that style, what would it be? Like, if I could, I would make every day of the rest of my life a late 90s, early 2000s coming-of-age high school senior year party movie. That's all I want, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. By the way, keep watching our show. You may be very excited at what happens. Might just be you. (laughs) You (laughs) might just be. Sam, did you just try to rework that you might just be a redneck into something else? I I need a catchphrase. You might just be. You might just be surprised. Oh, I like it. It writes itself. What would it be? Also, you're trapping us, uh, uh, Sam, other Sam, you're trapping us. And to have the same one the whole way through is so scary. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, so you definitely don't want to be. If you pick a film type where there's always a happy ending. Oh, like a Pixar movie. But then at the beginning, someone's going to die. You're going to lose somebody very close to you. There's that. That's true. Um, What would you do, Sam? I'm not. Uh, 
Maybe I would do <laughs> like uh, like a very theatrical and like wiry kung fu movie, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden uh. Dragon. Oh. You know, because uh, like also very like poetic and, and like beautiful. Exactly, and then like and I just like everything I do has like wire work. So like I'm wearing my Starbucks <laughs> okay. and like, like a lot of spins and like jump, jumping on the counter and then like standing down and the cup, the cup like falls into my hand. I'm like, thank you. And I flip my I flip my thumb up and like two coins go into the tip jar and the guy's like two oh, yeah. t- two coins and he fights me a little bit and I'm like, oh okay, here's another dollar and then they're like, very good, huh? And I drink it. So all that, I have all like that, that for a coffee? For a coffee. You know what I mean? It'll probably get exhausting. And cinema. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Ben, I what think about it, you? I think it would be an animated movie because I think then I could do anything I want. And I could start one day like this and the next day I could be flying. Or I could be in a house that has balloons in it. Or I could be um, – or I could create the circle of life. A lot of people are talking about the circle of life nowadays. A lot of people. A lot of people you know what? Because sometimes in these movies people start off as mermaids. But then look at these feet. Look at these things. Aren't they neat? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you think my collection's yeah. complete? Wouldn't you yeah. think I'm the girl? Girl who has – Every Everything. surprise. Whoa, <laughs> you might be surprised. So, all the reviews are in, or the early reviews that I saw are in, and people like this show. And they really talked about the two of you together. Decider called the two of you as a comedic duo, quote, joy personified. Wow. How cute! How cute. <laughs> um, and I get the feel from watching the show that. Everyone got to improv a lot when they wanted to. Like, improv's probably a big part of the show as well. I wonder, what do each of you both like the most about the other's improv style? I know you both came out of improv. Wow. By the way, this is so interesting to... I don't think we've ever been in a place where we have to compliment the person opposite us. This will be... I mean, I can't wait, but this is a very interesting... Beautiful opinion <laughs> or opportunity. I agree. All right, so in terms of improv, uh, two things I think are important. One is trust. You have to trust the other person. In my head, when I'm on stage with someone, if it's a two-person show that goes forever, it's like I have to know that whatever I do, I feel safe. I feel that Sam, and Sam does this very well, I feel protected no matter how insane of a initiation or something I do in a scene, I know that Sam will take care of me. And also you're with somebody that can make anything funny. So it takes so much pressure off of me as a performer. I know that if I say something that's only like, oh, what are you doing? Sam is so smart and fast that he'll find a way to to make it funny. Man, there is nothing Xavier has that you don't. Uh, Grammy? Yeah. People's Choice Award? He's got that. MTV Movie Award for Best Comedy Sex Scene? (laughs) It's so funny. You're like, how is he gonna, oh, that's how? (laughs) Yeah, the upside down part was just. So I feel supported. I feel loved as a human being because I care about Sam. And wow. I feel like I always want to make Sam look good so bad. And I have a feeling that he feels similar. Now, Sam, you're screwed. You can't say any of that. I can't, I can't, say, I can't say any of that? <laughs> well, okay. you can say some of it. Um, hmm. With Ben, Ben is so giving and so fast and so funny that, like, I, you can truly like turn your brain off, like so. So it's never. Sometimes when you improvise, you have to like kind of like kind of be on your toes because you're like, well, let me like get ready to patch up whatever's coming up so that I can make it at least work. But I don't have to do that with Ben. I know that wherever I go or wherever he goes, I there is there is runway and there's leeway and there's space so we can just play. And I do and I love Ben as a person and Ben and we we had such a quick oh, friendship man. that we just sort of. 
uh, it, it was as if we'd been improvising together for years and that. years, even though our first time was like, uh, you know, in the, in these scenes. This is very, yeah. Really this is very much giving me that beautiful. Oprah video where they ask her about Gail and she's like, I can't name a better friend. It's <laughs> very much that for me. And I like that energy. This is very warming. That, I love that Thank question. You for that. That's, we speak a similar language and yeah. our hearts are in similar places. I love it. I love it. Uh, ben, Sam, will y'all stick around and uh, play a fun game with me after the break? No. Sam, say no. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, no. You're the say first person yes to ever and. say no. <laughs> yeah, there you we go. We can't wait. Can I tell you, there's nothing Sam and I love more than a game. Yeah, truly. We played games, okay. like, throughout okay. filming. Like, just Cannot wait. whatever. What was the most played game during filming? Uh, uh, there's two games. One is that yeah. Sam, I don't want to put him on the spot, and he doesn't have to, but Sam knows the um, theme song to any <laughs> TV show that we watched growing up. Uh, uh, Sam is younger than me, but we're roughly the same age. Thundercats, go, do it, go, Thundercats. Of course. (laughs) Thundercats are on the move. Thundercats are loose. loose. Hear the magic, feel the roar. Thundercats are loose. Thunder, 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 thundercats. Thunder, 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 thundercats. But that's like an easy one for him. He could do B sides. He could do like the. Yeah. He could do like the weird, like the weird ones oh, that you don't okay, even know. Okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Pepper Ann, the Saturday morning ABC cartoon. Who's that girl? What's her name? Is she cool? Is she lame? Oh, you talking about what's her name? Pepper Ann. Yeah. Pepper Ann. She's like one in a million. Pepper Ann. Pepper Ann. Was she cool for second grade? No one's cooler than Pepper Ann. Amazing. And you understand that would be ours. We, it's just yeah. they paired the right two people they up. They really, truly did. <laughs> I love it. So then, after the break, y'all will have to answer the questions to the quiz game in the spirit of a TV show theme song. Oh, fantastic. I don't even know what that means, and I'm excited. Coming up, I play a game of Who Said That full of big improv energy with Sam Richardson and Ben Schwartz, the two stars of the Apple TV Plus comedy, The After Party. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit their website to get a quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. Then, just choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. 
CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders here with two great guests, two of the stars of the new Apple Plus TV show, The After Party. I will let them both introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Sam Richardson, and I play Anik in The After Party. Uh, my name is Ben Schwartz. I play Jasper in The After Party. And this is Meryl Streep. I am in The After Party as well. So if you're a fan of me, come and watch The After Party. And here's Sylvester Stallone, and I'm here too. Wow. So I don't know if everybody knows, but Meryl Streep and Sylvester Stallone are in the after party. This is Ben. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and Meryl Streep are in the after party as well. And Miss Piggy too, because that Meryl was kind of some Miss Piggy vibes, which I like. A little bit. It's a Frank Oz voice. Oh, yeah. cameo. Cameo. Yeah. yeah cameo. I love it. So, okay. So let's play a game. The game is called Who Said That? Ooh, Who said that? Who said that? I play it every week with my guest. It's really simple. I share three quotes from the week of news, and you just guess who said it. There are no buzzers. There are no timers. There are no rules. You yell out the answer whenever you have it, and someone on the line will be keeping score, but it won't be me. Uh, The only reward is bragging rights, so don't take it too seriously. We'll see. At the end, I know you'll have a surprise for us because you wouldn't do this unless you had a surprise. Sam, we're ready. It's true. I'm ready. I don't have any tote bags for y'all. I'm sorry. Oh, well, then see ya. (laughs) Click. (laughs) We both shut our videos off. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of here. I have all these cans, and I have no bag to hold them in. Not a reusable one. I've been waiting. That's the reason why I did this. I need that tote. I know. I need burlap. Here's the first quote. Tell me who said it. Good morning to everyone except for the lady that slapped me in the face at the airport because she got mad at Lawrence for something he did in season three. Jay Ellis. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say Issa. I guess that makes way more sense. It was definitely an insecure (laughs) reference. Yes. So um, that tweet comes from actor Jay Ellis. He played Lawrence on HBO's Insecure, which just wrapped its final season at the end of last year. Uh, But he was kind of a trifling, no good, kind of on again, off again partner of Issa Rae's main character. And he tweeted this week that while he was in the airport... A stranger slapped him in the face over something his character in the show had done. Unbelievable. Anywho, follow up. Um, which of your previous roles would most likely get the two of you slapped by a stranger at the airport? I, when I went through customs once and um, someone recognized me from House of Lies, which is a show I did with Don Cheadle and Kristen Bell and Josh Lawson, and when he saw me... He referenced a terrible thing my character did and yelled it. Like, he's like, oh, I know you. You're the person who hit that person or something like that. And I was like, all right, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out, chill out. Chill out. <laughs> so that, yeah, happened, that, that happened to me once. Uh, in Promising Young Woman, I play this guy named Paul, and he's oh. a uh, 
It's a bad full man. bad man. He's a creep bad man it. in that movie. Ooh, and like all, all the sort role. of oh, you know, bad. But I would, I got like a few messages on Instagram. They were like, "You're a creep," and I'm like, "From this movie?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." I think there are people that oftentimes when they come up to us think that we are ver- like John Ralphio. People come up to me and think that I'm that person. Thank you so much for hiring Mona Lisa. It means so much to me, even though honestly, she is the worst. She is the worst person in the world. Huge. They'll like sing in my ear a bunch, and I'll be like, "Cool," but I, I can't. Yeah, it gets pretty. I'm sure people Ugh. think you're Richard from Veep. People think I'm Richard Split all yeah. the time. Here we are. <laughs> wow, here you are. See, now, I thought that I left you 750 miles ago. Ma'am, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, all right? I'm going to be like a, like a Disney animal. It's oh, but to be Richard. <laughs> that first point goes to Sam. Ben, don't feel bad. It's okay. I'm happy. I'm happy for my friend, but now I feel like I'm never going to get one, but we'll see. Here is the next quote. Tell me who said it. You're progressive in one way, but then you're still making that effing backwards story about seven dwarves living in oh, a cave Peter Dinklage. Together. Peter Dinklage. Yes, the game is tied now, Ben. Congratulations. Well, also, I may have cheated. Maybe Sam was waiting for it to be over before he said his answer. I, I didn't want to, like, quick shoot it. And so I think you get... You, <laughs> okay, the, okay, the, okay. The, the, the quote ended and you got it. Okay, so, all right. 100%. Hundo, uh, hundo P. Uh, yes, a hundo P. So, Peter Dinklage was on Mark Maron's podcast recently, and he was talking about Disney's upcoming reboot of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, because we need another one of those? Anyway, <laughs> um, Dinklage, who has a form of dwarfism himself... He said, all right, Disney, you feel good about yourselves because you cast a Latina as Snow White, but do better than this really backward story about dwarves who live in a cave. And, you know, I hadn't thought about it until I saw that, and I was like, he has a point. (laughs) He has a point. So after he says that, uh, Disney says in a statement, quote, to avoid reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although to that I say, at that point, just make a new fairy tale. They're fairy you know, tales. Truly. You can make as many as you want. Like, I get it. Existing IP. It works. But, like, some imagination? Yeah, there's so, there's so much that's problematic about Snow White, even to begin with. The name. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, oh, the very God. whiteness exactly. of the character. Exactly. By the way, exactly. if we want to start dissecting old... Disney movies, we gotta. We are on a we are on a slippery slope, my yeah. friend. We can't even start to have a conversation about wokeism until like the Princess and the Frog. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Favorite fairy tales? Asking you both. Oh. Um. Well, by the way, I can give you favorite Disney movies before I do fairy tales, but I guess they're kind of. Oh, do that. Do that then. Do that. For me, it, because of my time frame, it's probably like the three in a row was like Aladdin to me was. A, a masterpiece because Robin Williams is in it so funny and also the songs were incredible and then Lion King is one of my favorites of all time um, and then new ones uh, Up Up I think is yeah. one of the most perfect movies of all time yeah what would be your favorite Disney uh, one Sam uh, uh, Aladdin and Lion King a hundred percent and then like newer ones uh, Hercules I love Hercules mm. so much we are the muses. I love the Disney movies where they just like make them secretly actually black. Yeah, I know. I like know. Hercules. Exactly. Like Hercules, like, that's just black people singing. It's just black. It's, it's all gospel music, and it's, it's, yeah. it's clearly, clearly Hercules is black, but they're like, well, we'll paint him white so you guys don't complain yeah. about it. <laughs> well, this is why my favorite is probably a goofy movie. Oh, that movie's unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. Dude. 
We used to sing that on set. We used to sing that on set. Tevin Campbell doing 90s R&B at its best. Woo! Yes. Yeah. And exactly. then they actually made the leads because they were these dogs with black fur. I was like, oh, they're actually black. Yep. I'm okay with it. That yep. movie, Tevin Campbell uh, is unbelievable. His songs Kevin are Campbell, unbelievable. Yes. Roxanne is legit a crush of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that uh, the production team is going to squeeze in eye to eye the Woo. theme from a goofy movie. Uh, uh, you wish you could afford that. You wish you could afford the rights to that. <laughs> if we listen to each other's heart, we'll find we're never too far apart. Maybe let us I almost forgot that we have one more question in the game. <laughs> Last quote. Just tell me who this story is about. You don't have to guess who said it. Here's a quote. How can we trust a man who gets ambushed by a birthday cake to take us into war in the Ukraine? I mean, it must be Joe. Who got ambushed by a birthday cake M- this it week? It must be a Biden or someone like a Biden. <laughs> It's another political leader from across the pond. Boris? Yeah, it's Boris. What happened? So this one requires some setup. So that quote comes from a radio caller to LBC Radio, and they were talking about UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He's been getting in trouble recently for several secret parties he and his staff have been throwing in the midst of COVID restrictions. His wife, Carrie, and others threw him a surprise birthday party with about 30 people in attendance at Downing Street uh, back in June 2020. And that party broke with the government's lockdown guidelines at the time. But a lawmaker from Johnson's conservative party this week defended his actions and defended that party by saying, quote, He, as far as I can see, he was, in a sense, ambushed with a cake. <laughs> and then, of course, ambushed with a cake is a trending topic on Twitter. Oh, good. I was afraid it wouldn't be, but it is, so we're good. <laughs> um, on that note, uh, Boris Johnson is not winning right now, but one of you just won this game. I think, Ben, you won. Sam, I'm going to split it with you. You don't have to do that. I declare, I bequeath both of you this week's It's Been a Minute Who Said That Championship is a shared crown. Congratulations. Cut to another Goofy movie song. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up above the ground Even if I got a shot on the line Hey, well, Ben, Sam, uh, I am loving your new show. I am big fans of you both. And I had a really good time talking with y'all and playing this game. Uh, all the best, and please, please, please come back soon. Thank of you so course. much, and a, and a heartbeat. Thanks again to Sam Richardson and Ben Schwartz. You can catch both of them in their new Apple TV Plus series, The After Party. All right, coming up, we switch gears and talk about laziness. Because sometimes being productive is overrated. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, 
like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching, so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from The Run-Through with Vogue. Listen as designers, Vogue editors, and industry icons like Erica Badu and Florence Pugh have in-depth conversations about fashion and culture. New episodes are released each Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. We are about to wrap up January, the month of New Year's resolutions. And, you know, many years ago, I stopped making New Year's resolutions. as too much pressure. And now, at the start of each new year, I try to go in the opposite direction. I tell myself, Sam, don't do more, do less. In that spirit, right now, I'm going to share a conversation that I had in January of 2021 with a guest who brought a message that was truly music to my ears. His message is that it's okay to be a bit less productive. It is okay to skip all of the unrealistic New Year's resolutions. In fact, he wrote a whole book all about this. It is called Laziness Does Not Exist. Hey, Devin. Hi, hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm fiddling with the audio a little bit. That is Devin Price. His book is all about our obsession with work and being productive, not just here in the U.S., but throughout the world. Devin calls this obsession the laziness lie. And it has three main tenets, and those tenets are that, uh, one, your worth is defined by your productivity. Two, you can't trust your own feelings of exhaustion or your needs and limitations. Um, And the third tenet of the laziness lie is that there's always more that you could be doing in basically every realm of life, not just work, but showing up for other people, activism, you know, not exercising enough, whatever it is. Devin did not always see laziness this way. For most of his life, he was very productive, like very. So I finished my PhD when I was 25 years old, and I was... Wait, stop. (laughs) How does that even... (laughs) I didn't have a life. I took college classes in high school. But after grad school, while working as a researcher, Devin got sick with a fever, a fever that would not go away for months what ended up finally happening was I just needed to like stop going so fast. I needed to actually rest, Mm -hmm. disappoint people Mm -hmm. on my research team, eat more and just stop looking at my life in terms of like how much I was doing. Yeah. What did that look like? The slowdown for you? I mean, like I'm guessing you can't go from 100 to zero overnight. Yeah, I had to learn how to get kind of sneaky about it. I think, especially Mm. professionally, we kind of have to do, like, use the language of busyness to get away with doing less in the workplace, in a way. (laughs) Uh (laughs) So I would make sure I had something to bring to every week's lab meeting that, like, sounded like it was, like, a lot of impressive charts and statistics. And it was important (laughs) stuff, but I was like, if it looks impressive, then I can kind of cover up how much time, you know, maybe it only took me a day, and then I can take the day after that off. Um, And really just rethinking how I looked at other people too, right? Like, are my students lazy or are they overwhelmed like I am? And and so on and so forth. You know, you saying that there was something you wrote in the book that really, really stuck with me. And I I wrote it down and I want to read it for our listeners. You wrote that like a lot of the people that we deem lazy are actually going through a lot that we cannot see. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So much of what we call laziness is actually a person being held back by a ton of barriers and we can't see those barriers or they're barriers, barriers we've been conditioned to think aren't legitimate. And so then we just reach for laziness as an easy explanation. So, you know, are my students skipping class because they're lazy and there's something wrong with them or are they working a full-time job dealing with, you know, I've had students who are dealing with like a sexual assault case with a classmate. So of course they don't want to come to class, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really gets to the heart of most of the things that we write off as laziness is just, we need to look at the person's context and what's getting in their way. Yeah. Uh, so you in the book look into where the word lazy even comes from. You trace the word's etymology, where does it come from? When is like what, What's the first utterance of the word lazy? Yeah. So lazy seems to have two roots from around the 1500s. It has like an old German and, and um, archaic English root. And basically um, one of the meanings is, uh, for one of the root words is feeble or weak. And the other root mm. word is morally corrupt, which really oh, yeah. gets to the heart of like the weird doublespeak that's at work whenever we call someone lazy. We're saying that they have some kind of weakness or limitation, but at the very same time, we're saying that that's making them evil. And it doesn't really make any sense when you think about those two things. Like, how can they exist at the same time? How can somebody be evil yeah. for needing help, you know? Yeah. What do you say to the folks hearing the two of us right now? You know, we're kind of in lockstep. I'm hearing what you're saying, I am picking up what you're putting down. But there's probably a good number of our listeners who are saying, this is bogus. Just work. Get a job. Figure it out. When you encounter those folks that can't even wrap their head around the big idea of your book, how do you talk to them? Um, one, well, the first thing is I was surprised at how little I'm hearing that pushback. The only time people really push mm. back with me, they, co- they come to me to say, sure, this might all be true for other people, but I'm lazy. I know deep down I'm lazy. Like uh-huh. people say it about themselves, not others, which is really interesting to me. Wow. What do you um, say to those folks when they say, hey, secret, I'm lazy? <laughs> well, I say, you're really not giving yourself credit for all that you're doing. Like, what are you dealing with that in somebody else, especially someone else you loved, you would give them some latitude for that you're not Mm. taking as a reasonable context or excuse for yourself, Mm. you know? Like there's something Mm. both kind of martyring and kind of grandiose to say, I I have to live up to this standard that nobody else that I love would kind of live up to. Oh my God, totally. Do you think our productivity crisis and our maybe unhealthy views about laziness Do you think it changes? It feels as if the whole country and the whole world is shifting a lot right now. It seems like everything is up for grabs right now and could be changing. Do you think in all these shifts that our views about work and productivity change as well? I think so. I think we've reached a moment where the absurdity and the unwinnability of these beliefs are Mm. being revealed to more and more people. But I think we're Mm. also not out of the woods yet, right? So, um, So Forbes had a report that came out um, a couple months ago, showing that worker productivity had gone up about forty percent over the pandemic because now, what? Yeah, yeah. Wait, stop. That is no. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Because people don't have a commute, they don't have as many <gasps> meetings. Like a lot of, and because wow. people are like working to distract themselves from existential dread. Life. <laughs> yeah. So worker productivity had gone up, but this was also at the same time, especially like early into work from home, a lot of companies started buying 
screen logging software for their employees or key tracking software oh to make sure oh they God. weren't cheating and being lazy and, and still working really hard during a pandemic. And so I do think more and more people are seeing how absurd and unfair and unjust it is. But most of us aren't like free of those pressures as much as we recognize that they're absurd. So I really hope we can do something with this to get some momentum and actually change things. Because I do think more and more people are really ready for the conversation, which is good. Yeah. For folks that heard this chat and just don't know where to start in combating overproductivity and our bad ideas about laziness, what's one quick and dirty piece of practical advice on how to begin to break free from this stuff? A quick and dirty thing they can do beginning right now. I think find someone in your life that you see in a uncharitable light and see if you can think about why they're making choices that don't look ideal to you. So that can be something as simple mm. as if someone's on the corner asking for money, maybe instead of wondering about what they're going to do with the money, just give them the money if you can afford to. You know, just yeah. just because I think it's easier for us to practice this stuff first on other people, and then we can start realizing, hey, maybe I'm not lazy either. Maybe I'm okay and worthy no matter what I do. Devin, thank you so much for this book and for this conversation. Listeners, Devin Price's book is called Laziness Does Not Exist. I think it's going to be quite helpful to you. Thanks, Devin. Thanks for having me, Sam. Now it's time to end the show as we always do. Every week, listeners share the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag, and they do. Let's hear a few of those submissions. Hey, Sam. This is Zach from Atlanta. Recently, I became the artistic director of a theater, and I visited my first rehearsal in that role, and uh, we're doing a chorus line youth edition, and I got to watch those kids storm the stage in rehearsal and attack the opening number with so much joy and excitement and I feel so grateful that theater is my now full-time job. Hi Sam and hi Aunt Betty. This is Andrea calling you from Otter Creek, USA and my best thing this week is that I finally got a new job. I'm really excited to be re-entering the nonprofit world, working with some wonderful people on affordable housing. Hola, Sam and Aunt Betty. This is Alejandra from Whittier, California. And there were three incredible things that came together this week. First, it was my one-year anniversary of moving into my own home, which is a big deal for a first-gen American millennial. Then I was able to celebrate Allison and Chris's marriage after COVID derailed their beautiful wedding plans for over a year. Congratulations, you two. And lastly, my sister is welcoming a new addition to our family, and I'm beyond stoked to be a Thea. Hey, Sam. This is Nicholas in Mississippi. The best thing that happened to me this week was my mom came through breast cancer surgery. She's 77 years old with Alzheimer's. We're at the hospital right now while she gets started on the road to recovery. And we're really hopeful. Have a great week. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate you very much. Bye, Sam. Thanks to all those listeners you heard there. Zach, Andrea, Alejandra, and Nicholas. Listeners, don't forget you can share the best part of your week at any point throughout any week. 
We love to hear from all of you. Just record yourself and send a voice memo to us via email. samsanders at npr.org. That's samsanders at npr.org. All right, this week's episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Janae West, Anjali Sastry-Kerbacek, Andrea Gutierrez, and Leah McBain. We had engineering help from Neil Tvault and Gilly Moon. Our intern is Asia Drain. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our big boss is NPR's senior VP of programming, Anya Grunvin. All right, listeners, till next time, be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and T-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.